Welcome to Tactically Acquired. Our goal is to document military-connected living history in a fun and easy environment. We will capture the stories of our active duty, guard, reservists, veterans, ROTC, and their families, sharing their stories, adventures, and journeys across the military life cycle. The podcast is for anyone interested in joining the military, has been part of the military, or wishes to learn more about military life. In addition, we want to bridge the growing military-civilian divide through education. This is unfiltered, meaning we'll go over the good, the bad, and yes, maybe even the ugly of being a military-connected individual. I'm your host, Rusty Martis, a retired Air Force Mustang and OEF veteran, and I run the Veterans Resource Station at North Kentucky University. My special guest today is a veteran advocate and national service officer who spends time here at NKU helping out the students, faculty, staff, and the community veterans. To get things started, do you mind just stating your name and what branch of service you joined? Um, well, thanks for having me, Rusty. Uh, name is Mark Moore. Um, I was in the United States Navy and the United States Army. Awesome. So a duel. Yeah. You did both. Did you do Navy first and then the Army? Yes. Went in the Navy uh, 1990 okay. and got out in 94, went to school, and then joined the uh, Army in 1998. Awesome. So you did both Iraq yes. situations there. Yes. Uh, interesting. We'll get into that in just a bit, but... Uh, kind of get started, why did you first originally decide to go join the Navy? Um, well, my dad, he was uh, in the Navy. He was a radio operator. Mm -hmm. um, my older brother, he joined the Navy. He was a boiler technician. Mm -hmm. And um, just so happened to be, the, the recruiting station was behind my house. There so, you go. Um, kind of grew up, you know, uh, seeing them back there uh, they had a pool table and stuff so and um no i mean influence from my dad and then uh, you know i kind of knew a lot of the recruiters growing up and um it just happened to be i you know i was from a small town in southeastern ohio and uh really didn't know what i wanted to do uh going you know going through my senior year and um like, hey, I want to see the world. There you go. You know, and what better way to do that? Uh, join the Navy, and that's where the adventure started. Amen. And I, <laughs> I tell people that uh, not as much as in today's world, but back in the days when I did a little bit more kind of recruiting, mm -hmm. um, I, two things I always talk about, because I was an Air Force guy, and I was like, uh, if, if I look at the Air Force, look at the Navy, mm -hmm. technological, job skills, the whole nine yards, if you want to see the world, you definitely want to go the Navy route because you yeah. have the opportunity to do that. Did you have any ship time? Um, all, pretty much. So okay. I was a I was an aviation machinist mate. I worked on the SH-3H Sea King. Wow, that sounds so, really cool. Yeah, so uh, what I tell people today is the helicopter the president flies in, Navy. I worked on the Navy version. Okay. So they've been um, phased out, and now it's the... Blackhawk, as the Army calls it, or the, I think, a Seahawk that the Navy calls it. Um, but, yes, yeah, so after I went through my A school, basic training in San Diego, A school in Millington, Tennessee, I, uh, I got orders for uh, Atsugi, Japan. Wow. So on board the USS Midway. Um, so the Midway was just, you know, coming out of the Gulf at that point. So I met up with uh, with her, as we call it, mm -hmm. and um, pretty much all ship time. So wow. anytime the carrier would pull out and they were stationed in Yokosuka, Japan, 
So anytime the carrier pulled out, the air wing had to go on board. Um, especially being a helicopter squadron, we were SAR, search and rescue, and they also did anti-sub warfare. But um, yeah, we were pretty much the whole time. Um, we didn't really stay in port much, maybe 60 days, I can think, at a time. Wow. But yeah, I and I really enjoyed it. So. Yeah. so you really got to see a big chunk of the world anyway. You that it sounded like you were primarily Pacific realm. Did you get to the northern side or were you all over the place? Um the, any of the Pacific up through Indian Ocean up into the Gulf, wow. Persian Gulf. So yeah. yeah, um Philippines, um South Korea, uh Hong Kong at that time, it was under British rule during that period. Um Thailand, uh, Australia, and then Abu Dhabi, Dubai, Bahrain, all the good ports there in the Gulf that we would hit. But, um, yeah, I've been to the Philippines and South Korea. I can't even tell you how many times. Wow. So, yeah, so you got to do what you wanted, and that was finding an adventure out there. (laughs) Yeah, um, and uh, also made a trip to Hawaii um, when we cross-decked over from the USS Midway to the USS Independence. Mm Um, the midway was being uh, phased out, so we brought it cross decked, was switched everything from one ship to the other. Midway went up to, I believe it was in uh, Seattle uh, at the yard up there, and we took the independence back to uh, Yakuska. Wow. So interesting. Yeah, and I, and I enjoyed it. Uh, got to see a lot. I was 18 years old and never been out of southeastern Ohio, really. So it was a, it was a, I enjoyed every bit of it. It was an adventure. Wow, that's awesome. So let me uh, jump back just a little bit and talk a little, uh, about um, basic training, your boot camp. Mm-hmm. So from a, your perspective, 18-year-old going into boot camp in the Navy, what was that experience like? Um, well, I, San Diego, um, you know, you really don't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. So... It was different. I mean, um, and everybody's going to have their own unique experience. Uh, in my opinion, it's like, hey, we they break you down, and then they build you back up. And I think when you go through that process at the time, you don't understand why. Right. Like, so one example is we would get our mail, for example. So we'd have mail call in the evening. So they would give you your mail, but you wouldn't, they wouldn't let you read it. <laughs> so that sounds kind of weird, right? right? Like, hey, that's just that's mean. Right. Um, but then when you're out at sea and you realize you don't get mail for weeks. You know, this was pre-cell phone and mm-hmm. uh, email. We didn't have that then. So, so you later in, you kind of re- look back on that basic training and you realize, hey, it all makes sense now. It all had a purpose. Oh, yeah. The, there was always a reason to their madness, right? The, the things they made you do. If you could kind of think about your experiences through the Navy and even through the Army and your yeah. life experiences now, um, if you could go back and give your 17, 18-year-old self a uh, some success tips or a guide of yeah. making it through boot camp, making it through the Navy, what would you tell yourself? Um, you know, just keep your head up. Um, and you know, I think a word of it like, Hey, it's, there's a reason, Mm -hmm. there's a reason for what they're doing and, um, you know, don't get discouraged, but yeah, keep your head up and your mouth closed (laughs) and, 
and just do what you're told, right. and it may, and it, it's easy. There you go. And it's easy. Um, the only thing they can do is physically make you hurt from the running push-ups and all that, and they can mentally break you. But there's a reason for that, right? So, um, you break every everyone has their own personalities. That's broke down, and you guys learn to work as a team. So teamwork is the I think the main reason for basic training, right? Mm-hmm. You're bringing these people from all different backgrounds, uh, all different levels of society in here, and you break it down, and then you make them work as a team. And that you carry that throughout your career, and then it also carries over into the civilian world, as right. we call it. Well, and it, it, anybody that knew me in high school, and I was, I was, you know, a super skinny uh, kid, uh, ran a lot. But yeah. anybody that comes up to me in today's world and says, "Well, I don't think I could make it through the military," I was like, it, "You can. Yeah, you honestly can. You just have to have the right attitude going in exactly. for the most part, and and like you said, keep your mouth shut and do what you're told." <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's. I mean, that's. That's it. I mean, and just realize that what they're asking you to do, there's a purpose behind mm-hmm. that, right? You may not understand it now, but you'll understand it at one point in your career, your military career. Like, hey, now I get why this, why they asked us to do this, or why they held back in my like your mail for that example. I mean, um, it was always funny. So, like in the middle of the in the barracks. They had like vending machines in the middle, right? And they had bright lights on them at night. Well, I've never seen anybody go to the vending <laughs> machine. So it's like my it's like a mental thing. Yeah. Um, there was a radio up on a shelf. It never played, and we was like, well, what's that radio there for? So, you know, after we had uh, graduated, we were there for like not a couple more days, and we're doing a field day. We're cleaning. And you get up there and you clean the shut. It's a fake radio, <laughs> right? So you see that and you're like, oh, I'd like to listen to the radio. Right. You know, you're going through a change in life and it's difficult. But those things are there to kind of let you know, like, uh, I don't know. It's a mental game. Right. And and you just have to realize that going into it, it's a mental game. And, and, and it's there uh, and the game's there for the purpose of, Build, breaking you down, building you up, and and teaching you teamwork. With Ab- the, with absolutely. People, so. so when you got out of the Navy, what made you decide to then go back into the Army? Um, so after I got out of the Navy, um, what was going to college, mm-hmm. and uh, I got married. So I think I, you know, I always joke. I told her too many stories about yeah. the Navy, <laughs> right? No she chance like, to go back. You're huh? not going back. <laughs> and um, so you know, I I worked several jobs, and um, you know, only only job I had was the Navy at this point, and um, you know, I just didn't. It I never can really describe it. Um, but it's like, you know, I just never, I never felt the same that I did when I was in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I look for that and I bounce from job to job to job, right? Because um, you're working with other others that never experienced what you've experienced. Mm-hmm. And it was difficult. So, you know, I had that conversation like, hey, I, I'm going to go back in. This just isn't for me not working out, right? And... Um, 
she's like, well, Navy's out of the question. Right. And um, I did try to get in the Air Force knowing what I knew at that point. But at that time, they weren't taking prior service. Yeah. So uh, happened to be talking to the uh, the Army recruiter and like, hey, this seems like a fit. You know, they have donuts in the chow hall. And I'm thinking <laughs> they're setting us up like I'm that because that's how it was. Right. right. Mental. Y- you didn't have that before. Now I'm like, man, they got donuts here. <laughs> and uh, I'm like. They checked our shave every morning in the Navy. I mean, they physically come out. And if there was any stubble with the card, he shaved you. So, you know, I'm getting a close shave. And I'm just like, after three days went by, and I'm like, man, people are eating, eating the donuts over there. I'm like, it was weird. Yeah, I bet. Um, so I was like, oh, okay. And you kind of realize, like, hey, things have really changed. And, and, Good changes, you know, and um, so eventually they found out I was prior service when they looked at my LA, LES and, and my pay. They're like, hey, you, your pay's wrong. I'm like, no, that's right. <laughs> so they, they then in return come to find out there were two others prior service. They separated us from everybody. They put us on the third floor of the barracks and um, gave us our civilian clothes back. Wow. We could go out in the evenings. And pretty much told us to, uh, not to Mess interact. Yeah, not to interact because they didn't want us to, I guess, I don't know, influence them somehow. Yeah. But it was uh, totally different. We had to go to certain things like that I didn't do in the basic, like rifle range and stuff like that. So, but we never marched with everybody else. We uh, I've never heard this like that. Before. Really, yeah. and um, so I was surprised. And there was a prior army guy. And the other guy was in Air Force. Uh, he was, had been in the Air Force. So, yeah, they they pulled us out. We had our own room. Wow. And um, it was, you know, I'm like, hey, this ain't too bad. <laughs> you know, I had my, I could wear jeans. We went to the movies in the evening. Uh, so, so your basic trainings from the Navy and the Army, obviously, were way different. Totally than, different. Than that. So then you went to scout school. Right. And, yep. So it's all one, all one stop shop, as they call it. So okay. you went into basic after you graduated basic, right into AIT, and it was all there at uh, Fort Knox. Ended up at Fort Riley, Kansas. Wow. And never left there. So um, went out to California for some training out there, but um, spent all my time at Fort Riley, hmm. and um, it, it was nice. I mean. It, but it was different. Um, I would say all the I missed I missed the travel part of it, right, and yeah. seeing stuff. But um, you know, uh, I was at that point, at, toward getting toward the end of my four year enlistment, I was going to go back into the Navy. Oh, wow. Like, and I had had that conversation. I'm like, hey, this I missed it, right? Yeah. I really missed it, and. Um, so, was, you know, had talked to the career counselors and stuff like that. No, I then I injured my knees, mm-hmm. right? So, um, had the army not med boarded me, I would have made because the navy was going to take me. Yeah. But once they med boarded me, it was over. If that would have happened, I probably wouldn't be sitting here today. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So everything yep. has its uh, everything works out. I think in the end. Absolutely. And so after you left then uh, Kansas. 
Did you end up making your way back to your hometown, or is that how you end up back in this location area? Yep. So ended up back in southeastern Ohio, Gal- okay. Galpolis, Ohio. Yeah, ended up back there. And again, I was I felt lost. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, worked. Uh, finally got. A, I worked for the city uh, in maintenance, and then went to the water department. And then my wife's job had moved us. Um, up in near Canton, Ohio, and I worked for a fixed-based operator at the local airport mm. as an aircraft mechanic. So okay. that skill came into play. Yeah. And then her job initially moved us out to Muskogee, Oklahoma, and uh, I started working. I got a job at the VA. Worked there and then ultimately um, got to know the guys at the Disabled American Veterans Service Office there and uh, asked me for if I would be interested in that type of work. And I was like, yeah, it sounds like, sounds interesting. Be a different part of the, the process. And so I've been there with them for 14 years now and I've moved around uh, with them in different states. And now you're back here. Yep, back. Here, here in the brand new uh, national headquarters in Erlanger at the DAV. Yeah. Um, as the national service officer for yeah. that. So. Um, I want to come back to a little bit to your military service, but okay. while we're talking about the DAV, kind of talk a little bit about what you're able to do for the local community and, our, of course, our NKU veteran students, faculty, and staff. Yeah, so as a benefit advocates, um, we assist uh, veterans and their families with uh, their benefits uh, that they've earned through their service. Mm-hmm. Um, so claims process, um, appeal process, education benefits, uh, and, you know, death benefits, um, anything with the VA, uh, your service officers can help you with that. Absolutely. So we, we go through a 16-month on-the-job training, and we take uh, some courses with, like, medical terminology, anatomy, physiology, writing, speech. And um, we also, after that 16-month, we continue that every month with uh, structured and continued training. So ultimately go through the 38 CFR that are the rules and regulations with for the claim process. Mm-hmm. So we're constantly training with that. So um, we also provide outreach for like um, benefit seminars to talk to people about the, their benefits NKU come here, help veterans with their education or uh, get into the claim process started or, you know, increase in their disabilities, anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll put all your contact information down on the show notes. So if anyone wants to reach out to you, um, they can do so directly. I appreciate that tremendously and all the great work that you do um, across the really the nation. That's why you're a national service officer. Unlike a a few organizations where it's state-based, you can do really Kentucky, Indiana, Ohio. Um, it doesn't really matter. So. Correct. So a lot of your state or your like VFW, American mm-hmm. Legion, um, they do do that, but they're funding strictly for the state. Mm-hmm. Some county veteran service officers, they're for the state. Um, and the accreditation kind of somewhat limits them to that area. But yeah, I mean, we can help whether you're in Hawaii or Puerto Rico. We have an office in Puerto Rico. So DAV has a service office in every state. We can help and assist no matter where you're located. 
Yeah, and uh, if you never checked out their website, DAV.org, uh, they have a lot of great videos as well that mm-hmm. talks through it. But um, I always tell all military affiliate, military connected veterans that want to file a disability claim for the VA, don't do it yourself. Don't hire anybody. There is free organizations out there. And of course, we got the national headquarters of the DAV right here that can support and help as well as several other local organizations that can do it. So again, we'll be happy to get you connected as you need to be connected for that. All right, let's jump back real quick, um, back into your military time, because I think it's very interesting that you spent time in the Navy, then you spent time in the Army, and you talked about when you got out of the Navy, there was a little bit of a struggle there. You couldn't yeah. find, kind of find your way. And almost the same thing when you got out of the Army. Yeah. Uh, MissionTransition.org did a study, and they've been studying transitions for over 20-plus years now and found out 76% of all veterans will struggle or have a more mm-hmm. stressful transitional time. And you kind of talked about that a little bit. Um, and, in fact, joining back into the Army. Um, what are some maybe tips and tools you might be able to give some people that are either going into the military, thinking about going into the military, or in the military getting out, when they get out, some of those transitional things that you went through, what are some of the tips that you might be able to provide them, help them through that process? Um, going in, just make sure you a, utilize all the benefits that are available to you, yeah, like absolutely. GI Bill, post 9-11, you know, all these education benefits. Use the education benefits that are uh, there for you while you're enlisted as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of you get discounts, right? So go to work, take class in the evening. Um, and then, you know, uh, the claims part of it, and it has to come out with me. If if you have any injuries or if you, you know, if you have an injury or an accident, make sure it's documented. I think, um, you know, it's frowned upon by most people uh, units like uh, your sick, sick call bandit or whatever they want to call you, but I, you know, you got to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure any accidents or injuries are documented, and just follow through with the treatment, um, and that will assist you when you get out, right? With the VA claims process, um, a lot of times people don't go, and if it's not noted or documented. Or diagnosed while you're in uh, service, it makes it difficult to establish it. So you know, take care of yourself. You're the you care about yourself. I'm not saying they you know no one else don't. Right. But you're your best advocate, right, in that process. So documentation is key. Um, the transition. Um, they have TAPS classes now that they never had when you know when we when I got out. It's like. You go over here and they just initial piece of paper, turn in your gear, and you're out. And you're gone. Yeah, so now, I mean, that transition, there's a lot more information, right? And they're like, hey, these are the options that are available to you. I knew nothing about the VA claim or VA hospital or any of that. They're like, yeah, you know, if you something wrong, go to the VA. Um never thought about it. Hey, most people, I just want out right. at that, right? And that's what they're focused on. Um, so take the time, take advantage of the TAP class. Um, I know the VA offers claims assistance. DAV has transitional service officers at some post. Take advantage of that. And, and if you're not sure, sit down and talk to the people. There's no really dumb question at that point. Um 
but yeah, I mean, there's more available now than there was, but I, you know, I still see it. Even the, we call them the younger veterans mm-hmm. getting out now, they get out and they're just, you're lost. Right. Um, yeah. It's hard to explain. Yeah. Um, for someone that, like you said, for me, it's my, the only job I knew, I was fortunate enough to where I didn't really have to work growing up and, uh, you get out and the mindset's different because you're, you know, use the word programmed, but you know, you've, you've went through this change and those that haven't been through it don't understand where you're coming from and you have a different mentality than others. Um, work ethics different and it's just hard because you, it's like, there's a, you just feel there's a hole, right. And you're trying to fill that and you're, you're searching and, um, it's difficult. I'm going to jump back into uh, talking a little bit about your service time, but taking it from the kind of your your, uh, your wife's perspective, right? Yeah. So you were married uh, after you got out of the Navy. You were single in the Navy. Right. Got married, joined the Army. Yeah. Any tips or tools for couples that are joining the military or in the military um, that might help them be successful while they're in? Yeah. Um, sp- the spouse groups. Take advantage of it. Don't be, um, you know, get out of the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, take advantage of where you're at. Um, go see see your surroundings, right? The worst thing I think any couple could do is just get like, hey, go to work, come home and sit in the, your apartment or the housing. Get out and the, the wives should take advantage of any of those clubs that are there for the support, especially when they deploy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a support group. Um, wonderful thing uh as a veteran to the wife be considerate to you know she's not always going to know uh what you're going through Mm -hmm. and not always going to understand your thought process so it's easy for me to sit here and say you know be considerate and you know communication is key with your relationship there and um i think if you you communicate with each other of what's going on what how you feel it's only going to benefit you down the road um i don't know my ships but if i remember both the ships you were on were pretty large uh vessels yeah so they were aircraft carriers Mm -hmm. so um the uss midway believe it or not was uh it was an old ship conventional that means Mm -hmm. fuel not nuclear um it was the biggest thing I had been on, right? And then we, we cross-decked over in, onto the Independence, a different class. You could have probably set the Midway inside the Independence. Wow. Um, so, yeah, there was at any given 3,500 people uh, on the Midway, and I think we went up to like 4,000 on the Independence. And, and how many did you have in your hometown? Um, <laughs> under 5,000. <000. laughs> so similar, right? Yeah, so believe it or not... Um, you know, they're at, at Sugi, and we were all on the boat carriers, um, three of us from the same hometown. Didn't wow. realize that, and like walking down the passageway, like, hey, you know. <laughs> you're like, yeah, such and such is over. Well, I didn't know that. Wow. So it was interesting, right? Yeah. So, you know, I think I'd been there over a year, and believe it or not, the one I went to school with him, graduated with him, um, we were in the same hangar, so we, you just, that's how many people are there, and you just, 
you, you your our paths just crashed crossed one day and uh, so yeah and then I was actually last carrier was on the constellation um, so came back to San Diego there right before I got out uh, was my last squadron it was only there maybe uh, I think ten months mm. before I processed out but same class but then you know I'd never seen a nuclear carrier. And it was a USS Abraham Lincoln. Oh, it was massive. Like, yeah. I couldn't believe it. Like, uh, the Connie, as we called her, she was pulling out, and the Abraham Lincoln was still up here. Well, when she got in the shadow, you couldn't even see it. So it just tells you that. How big. Yeah, so big. you're looking at probably on the midway from the catwalk area to the water, about 75, 80 feet drop. And it just goes up from there, the size. They're, but it's massive. Yeah. You know, we had escalators. Uh, never really worked, but we had escalators <laughs> that we could run up and down, you know, three or four different uh, levels. Wow. So it was big. Yeah. Uh, did uh, you ever have, on any of those ships, did you ever have, uh, we'll call it a quote-unquote scary moment or yeah. something that, uh, you know, rough seas Oh. Or pirates, or you know, I don't yeah. know. No pirates. I've uh, <laughs> been through a couple typhoons. Wow. Okay. Um, uh, several off, you know, in the Sea of Japan and out in the uh, uh, Pacific there. Um, yeah, it's scary. Okay. I mean, um, you know, the ship rocks and you're going at like a 35, 40 degree angle. That's steep uh, yeah. for a ship. And, um, Heavy winds. I mean, the you'd hear the you'd pretty much close everything off. They'd get everything off the uh, flight deck. Maybe have one. I think we'd have a couple times one or two aircraft, and it was uh, tied down right behind the island. But for the most part, you just you close everything and you just ride it out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you'd have a wave hit the side of the ship and it it vibrate and it shakes you right. So you're rocking and rolling, as they called it. So, yeah, heavy seas, you get your sea legs or you don't. Right? <laughs> so, um, and you and you notice in the passageway those that don't. That, that don't. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and, um, yeah, I mean, I've seen, um, you know, a, a aircraft, um, you know, come loose on the launch and go over. Um, uh-huh. Seen that, seen some accidents on the flight deck. And, uh, you know, it's normal, normal thing, you know, when you see it, it's, it's, uh, you got to keep your head on a swivel, as they say, up here, you're constantly going to be looking. All right. Uh, dangerous environment. So curious, are you, do you ever do any cruises now? No. <laughs> uh, my wife's like, oh, let's go on a cruise. I'm like, I've done that. I've done there. that. And uh, I don't want to stand in line for the Liberty launch. You know, <laughs> if you know what, Liberty launches like um, Thailand, for example, um, you docked uh, or anchored off the coast, and then you would take a Liberty launch in so far. And then um, you got off onto, I don't even know what they were, I call it a large canoe. It looked like a V8 engine on the back of it. <laughs> and then they ran you in so close and you rolled your pants up and you waded onto the beach. Wow. Right? So um, if Liberty launches were not fun because you'd stand in lines. And you would only do that, of course, when you couldn't pull up to a pier. But a lot of countries didn't have that. Wow. Right? So like Korea, you could, um, Philippines... 
Australia, you could, but a lot, of, and of course Hawaii, you could, but some of the other, you were you off the coast, wow. right? So, and how how did you get off that 75, 80 foot drop? Did you just literally throw a ladder down and climb down it? Or? No, so they had a they had a ladder, La- you know, could go down. Okay, and um, you know, you just climb right onto the launch. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, <laughs> what are some of the things you kind of miss about the your military service? Um, you know, I I miss the people. Okay. Um, miss I I really enjoyed what I did, mm-hmm. and and even in both, I enjoyed the army. Um, it was a different setting, but I miss the people, the camaraderie of it all. Um, you know, what would you call it? Your people would call it your sick sense of humor. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not politically correct, but you know, you guys, we we laugh at stuff that average people probably wouldn't laugh at right. in the civilian world, or wouldn't understand why we were laughing about it. Um, I, that's what I miss the most Absolutely. about it all, and I I really enjoyed the travel part of it seeing the different countries and stuff like that. Um, kind of the final question. Well, actually, I kind of lied. I have one more after this. But yeah. um, So hanging out with Navy veterans, doing a podcast with say, several Navy people. Uh, yeah. We talked about before, you're, you're kind of on, you're on a ship or you're not on a ship. But when you're on a ship, there's a, a couple of different rituals that you might have to go through. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you have to experience any of those rituals or did you go through anything? I think they call it a shellback. Yeah, I'm a shellback. I'm, I'm not a filthy wog. Okay. Um, yeah. yes. What? And I will tell you the experience I went through is totally different than the experience someone will go through today. Right. I understand um, that. I have pictures. <laughs> um, I could talk about it. Um, so it started at midnight, like it, the ship stops and it, it's on, you know, as we call it, uh, you crawl around on your hands and knees. And this was my, what I went through. And, uh, and being a shell back means you cross the equator. Cross the equator. Yep. And yep. so you're a wog. You get summons before Neptunus, uh, Neptunus, uh, wreck, wrecks. And, uh, you go through this ritual, uh, the day before it's really, it's kind of a break. You got, you have like a still beach picnic as they call it. So it's barbecuing, um, we got three beers, and uh, so it was fun. And they, uh, there's some rituals there. I'll, I'll go into too detail the night before, but um, you know, the day of, you start like I said, we started at midnight, and um, you're led around by a leash, and uh, your clothes are on backwards, inside out, and uh, you crawl everywhere because you're not worthy, right? Right, so. You go through some different stations, and then you go up to the flight deck, and you go through some more, and um, it was fun. <laughs> I enjoyed and it. And you're a card holder then. Yes, I am a card holder. Yep. Um, get a certificate, <laughs> and, um, you know, uh, it was different, and uh, you're like, oh, you get through it. So the funny thing is, is, you know, you say you're a wog for uh, like nine hours straight almost, and then at the end, you go through... And they're like, well, now what are you? Well, I'm a shell back. But if you say you're a wog, back in they can take you back, right? <laughs> and you're like, oh, no. And I've seen it. And uh, so by the time you go through it, your clothes are so bad. <laughs> um, we had no uh, female veterans or female service members on the ship at that time. But they had the saltwater hoses hooked up in the back. You basically took all your clothes off 
everything and just threw them off because yeah. they it was they're you, done they're Wrecked. done yeah they're Wrecked. done and then you you know humbly go back and put on your clothes um, <laughs> but it was fun I enjoyed it and I also got to uh, be on the other end of that ah, nice. uh, so I've crossed the equator uh, three times wow so yeah. So once you're a shellback, you're on the you're a shellback, and you get yep. to handle the wogs coming through. Yeah, get to handle uh, the wogs, <laughs> and um, you know, there's things that we done that are not permitted to do today. So my dad was a shellback, awesome. so uh, he had told me his experience, and you know, they used a cattle prod on them, <laughs> get them through the garbage the garbage chute. People will know that what that means that maybe that was back through my era, but uh, yeah, they collect garbage for at least a week. Yeah. And they put it through, um, these were packing, shipping container boxes. And it, I don't know, 40 yards long. And you, uh, you crawl through that. It's not the grandest smell. <laughs> People are regurgitating in front of you. Uh, and that makes it even worse. Absolutely. And the whole time you're getting whipped with a shillelagh, which is a piece of fire hose um, that has had the rubber taken out. But needless to say... Um, you go through that, and that's toward the end of the process. Yeah. And then you go before the royal court, and then uh, if you're lucky, you get to suck the cherry out of uh, Neptune Rex uh, naval area. And, <laughs> and then you go through one more shoot, and you're a shellback. There you go. And then you can you know look back and laugh about it. They have stockades yeah. uh, that are up there. Um, there, I have pictures. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's definitely... It was fun. Uh, it was very... I enjoyed it. I mean, I didn't... Some of us like, oh, this is brutal, you right. know. But uh, you'd laugh about it. Um, and actually, I don't know if they still do it, but you... That uh, certificate, you got, I think, like one point toward promotion for wow. that. Wow. Okay. So, um, you... Uh, we did have some people that opted out of it, and, you know, um, they sat uh, in the chapel, uh, while it was going because the entire ship is involved, involved like yeah. passageways, everything. So, and that's know, a large ship. <laughs> yeah. So you got to think, uh, we had the hangar deck. So you started out in your birthing area. I mean, they came and got you at midnight. And, um, so you started in your birthing area you worked your way up to the, uh, hangar deck and then you rode the elevator up to the flight deck. So, yeah, it was a long day, right. but, um, you know. It, so, so is there different levels of being a shellback? And the reason I'm asking is because my cousin actually is a shellback as well, but he was on a, a kind of a little ship. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't no longer like an a aircraft carrier, or is it just shellbacks a shellback? You're a shellback, shell and I believe, and um, I may be misspeaking, but I think there is a thing called a golden shellback, okay. and that's where you're at longitude latitude latitude is zero gotcha right so you're right there so i i think um you know i think they're called a golden shell back but <laughs> other than that no you're you're a shell back yeah, that's awesome um he just has less space to be uh, exactly <laughs> tortured through exactly. but i'm sure it's nothing and it would be yeah. interesting to see what the ritual as they called it then is like now right yeah. so well, that's awesome. I appreciate you sharing that story. Um, kind of last question is just any final thoughts, anything we didn't talk about or should have covered that we didn't cover? Or? No, um, just um, remind everybody that DAV, as you noted, provides uh, free uh, benefit uh, counseling to uh, veterans and their families. Um, we don't charge anything. It's uh, 
where all of our, do you know, we're funded by donations and um, we're there to help you in any uh, step of the process you go through. And uh, you can go to benefitsquestions.org or to dav.org and um, go in there and you'll look up uh, how to contact my national service officer. That'll get you to uh, your local NSO. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, again, I appreciate you so much taking the time to come out yeah, here and be part of Tactically Acquired. Yeah, and, enjoyed uh, it. We'll get the, that all on the show notes as well. Okay. So thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you.